Well, let me also say welcome to all of you tuning in here today. We are so glad that you've joined us. And as you heard from that uh, video, we are right in the middle of looking at one of the most famous teachings, if not the most famous teachings that Jesus ever gave. And we're learning from Jesus how to do life better. And in this new year, hopefully that will lead to a new you. And so we're in a section today that we're going to focus on where Jesus teaches. And I just go ahead and tell you, the section we're going to look at today, uh, most of you are probably going to be familiar with. Uh, it, even if you're not a church person or a Bible person, but especially if you grew up in church, you're probably going to recognize this because maybe you even memorized this as a child or you recited it in church growing up, or at least you heard it recited in church or in maybe even different places that you've gone in life, uh, we're going to focus on a section of Jesus' words traditionally known as the Lord's Prayer. Now, again, some of you immediately know exactly what that is. Some of you may have uh, grown up calling it the Our Father, uh, but a lot of folks tend to refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. And Here's the problem with things that you wind up being familiar with or things that you memorize, things that you kind of recite out loud. It, you have a tendency sometimes to just miss the heart of the words that you're speaking or the meanings of the words most of the time. But when Jesus first said these words, when he uh, recited this prayer for his followers, uh, he, was giving, uh, he was not giving his followers a prayer to just recite over and over again in a mindless kind of way. What Jesus was after was he was trying to teach us something. Now, obviously, he's trying to teach us how to pray. That's, that's clear. But he was really teaching us something about God. He was teaching us something about us and about our life with God. And I think you'll see that as we move forward with this today. But before he gets to his most famous part, the part that we memorize, uh, Jesus spends some time giving us, well, some warnings about prayer and how not to pray. Uh, if you want to follow along with it, you'll find it in your Bible in Matthew chapter 6. Now, it, let me just remind you real quickly uh, that we have notes available for you right now. You can follow along on your phone. You've already heard us talk about ashleyparkchurch.com. Uh, you can go there right now, scroll down, and you'll find a, a card that says Sermon Notes. You click that card and you'll find the verses we're going to be reading. Uh, you're going to see... Uh, some notes that are there that will just sort of summarize the points that you're going to hear. And then there's a part where you, a place where you can click and add your own notes if you're a note taker. And then all the way at the bottom, which is my favorite part of this whole feature, is there's a place where you can email those notes to yourself. And you hit that button and it'll email it right to your email address. I tried it last week. It works instantly and it's a really helpful tool. Uh, we hope you guys will use that and uh, get a lot out of it. So let's start by looking at Jesus' warnings about prayer. Jesus said this. He says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, if you were here for the past couple of weeks, some of this language is going to be a little bit familiar to you. It, there's kind of a theme that Jesus keeps pointing back to. He says, look, whenever you do a good thing, and in this instance he's talking about prayer, but it also applies to like last week we talked about giving to people who are in need. But he says when you do a good thing for the benefit of the audience that's watching, well, the good thing somehow loses some of its goodness. See, if, if I wind up doing a good thing to just show off and for people to see me, it, it kind of stops being good anymore, you know? But Jesus says there's a remedy for all of that. It's a discipline 
that we call the discipline of secrecy. We talked about this for a couple of weeks. And Jesus is going to apply this uh, discipline of secrecy to prayer. Verse 6, he says, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. Now, it's interesting that, uh, to point out that the people in Jesus' day would have heard this a little differently than you and I hear it. Uh, see, in their homes, most likely in the first century, they didn't, they didn't have a whole lot of uh, partitioned off rooms. They didn't have private bedrooms. There was pretty much an open floor plan. And the only kind of room that people had in those days where you would kind of be able to be in private were usually just small storage closets or little small places that they would shut off that well, it would have mostly just tools or uh, just things that they wouldn't use very often. Sometimes they would even store small animals in these tiny little rooms. So he's talking about a room where not much important goes on. It's, it's not a place that anybody would ever go. It's certainly not a place anybody would ever spend any amount of time in. And, and he's saying this is the kind of thing you should do, and you should go to a place like that to pray. Now, is Jesus trying to teach us that, hey, it's wrong for you to pray out loud and you shouldn't pray in public in front of people? No, that's not what Jesus is teaching us. What he's really trying to point us to is what our motivation is when we pray. He's saying, look, for whom are you praying? I mean, who, who are you talking to? Are you saying this for the benefit of the people who are listening? If you find yourself in that place, then it's probably wise for you to go find a place where nobody's going to be and you're going to be kind of cut off and pray that way because your motivation ultimately is what matters. He goes on. He says, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans for they think they'll be heard just because of their many words. Don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask them. Again, Jesus is teaching us a principle about how to pray. And he says, look, it's not about how long you pray. It's not about the words that you pray. It's about the intention, the motivation behind your words. Now, I have a tendency when I pray, and I don't know if maybe it's just me. Uh, maybe you can relate to this. I have a tendency to, pl- to pray mindless prayers. And what I mean by that is uh, sometimes I, my mind just wanders, and sometimes I just say things that... Well, when I think about what I'm saying, they don't really have a lot of word or a meaning attached to the words. In fact, sometimes I wind up saying things that not only don't mean anything, I say things that are just flat out wrong. Maybe I'll pray something that I heard someone else pray before or just some words that I thought, well, that sounded really good. I think I'll use those words. But they don't really mean much. I'll give you an example. I've actually prayed this prayer before. I've said uh, something like this to God. I said, God, please watch over me. Now, think about that phrase for just a second. That phrase, when I say it to God, is kind of implying that maybe there's a time when God's not watching over me. Like there's a time when he's just sort of, I don't know, he's just sort of lost and he's not around or he just forgot. And that's not true. God's always with me. God's always watching. I've, I've prayed prayers like this. I've said, God, it's so good to be in your presence right now, as if I'm not always in God's presence, that God's not always surrounding me. He's not always with me. Uh, how about this one? I've stood before a table full of food and prayed for a meal, and I have prayed this prayer. And, it, and let's just be clear. It's a meal that's full of fat and sugar and grease, like all the good stuff. And I've prayed this prayer. God, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. 
And there wasn't a nourishing thing on that table. Sometimes I wonder if I should have prayed more accurately. I should say something like, God bless this food to the hardening of our arteries. Maybe that's more accurate. But the point is this. Jesus is just trying to point us back to the meaning or the intention behind the words that we are praying. Not just the words that we say, but what's, what's behind them. And he comes at us and he gives us these warnings. He says, be careful, don't do these things. And then Jesus gives us what I believe is one of his greatest gifts. Jesus teaches us how to pray. He gives us the Lord's Prayer. And I don't want you to miss how significant this is. This is huge. Learning to pray from Jesus, it's like learning computers from Bill Gates. It's like learning how to invest from Warren Buffett. It's like learning the art of Southern cooking from my grandma, who's the best, right? I mean, you can't get any better. There is no greater expert, you know? That's the point. Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. That's so huge. Don't miss that significance. But before we even get into it and before we uh, look at the Lord's Prayer, I just want to give you something to think about. I want to give you a challenge, something that I wanna, I'm going to come back to and, and, and teach you a little bit more about later. But I want to just plant this seed in your mind. I want to challenge you this week, every day when you wake up in the morning, first thing, I want to challenge you to pray the Lord's Prayer this week, every day. And I don't want you to just say the words by heart and just recite them. I want you to absorb the meaning behind the words. I want you to add your own thoughts. I want you to add your own words to it. Now, some of you are already saying, I'm not even sure I can do that. How do I do that? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's what I want to teach you to do right now. We're going to go through the Lord's Prayer, and we're, I want to teach you the meaning behind it, what Jesus was really trying to help us learn. And then when we're done, we're going to spend some time actually doing this together. We're going to experience this together, and you'll see what I mean in just a moment. So here we go. Let's look at Jesus' prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And he begins with these words, Our Father in heaven. Now, everybody knows that phrase. It's one of the most popular parts of the whole prayer, isn't it? But in just those first two words, there's some huge implications. See, those first two words, Our Father, they remind us of something. They remind me that, hey, I'm not just worrying out loud here. <laughs> I'm not just speaking into the air. I'm talking to someone. And when I talk to someone, well, I'm supposed to address them, right? But don't miss how huge this is. Not only am I talking to someone, I'm talking to someone that Jesus says, I have been invited to call Father. Now think about that. Jesus said that you and me, we could call the creator of the universe, heaven and earth, our Father. Not Jesus' Father, our Father. And I know for some of you... That brings with it a lot of baggage. But I just want you to hear this. No matter who your dad was or wasn't, no matter how good or bad your dad was or is, you have a heavenly Father who loves you just the way you are, who created you just the way you are, and who longs to do life with you just as it is. He wants to hear from you. He wants to connect with you. He watches over you. And so when you pray, our Father, you just need to know, God never says, oh, what now? What do you want? Why are you bothering me? No. He's always attentive, and he always stands ready to listen and respond to you. It reminds us when we say, our Father, that I am prized by my dad who is in heaven, along with every other person on this planet. 
But get this, Jesus says he's not just our Father. He is our Father in heaven. Now, why is that significant? Well, let me ask you something. When you hear that phrase, in heaven, what comes to your mind? In other words, how far off do you think of when you say the words, in heaven? Well, if you're like me, most of us think usually, well, heaven is like way out in the far reaches of space. It's way out there somewhere far away, right? That's what we usually think of when we say those words, in heaven. But let me, let me let you in on a little secret here that you may not have known. When you translate this phrase literally from the original language, here's what it reads. It reads, our Father who is in the heavens, plural. And you say, well, why is that important? It's very important. Because, see, in the ancient world, they didn't think about heaven the way we did. See, their thought of heaven was in three levels. When they said the word heaven, it was more like heavens. And there were three levels. There was an upper level, which is space, way far out on the distant parts of the galaxy. And then the second level was, well, the sky, the, the place where you see the clouds, the, the blue part every single day, you know. That's the second level. But then the third level of the heavens in the ancient world was the atmosphere that surrounded you. It was the air that you could feel that was cool and crisp or warm on a summer day. It was the air that was moving in and out of your lungs. It was all of that air and atmosphere that surrounded you. That also made up heaven. So when Jesus says, our Father who is in the heavens, he wasn't just talking about the farthest reaches of space. He was talking about every level all around you, every level of heaven. So when you and I pray, our Father in heaven, we shouldn't just think about somebody who's so far away from us. We should think about a God who is closer than the air moving in and out of your lungs right now because that is where God is. He's with us. He surrounds us at every moment. Isn't that an amazing thought? Jesus goes on. He says, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Then that's not a phrase that we use very often. It just simply means, may your reputation be great, God. May people come to know how wonderful you are. May you be adored, worshipped, praised. Which causes a lot of people to ask, well, why is God so much into us praising him, you know? Is it that God's kind of, you know, feeling bad about himself and he needs somebody to stroke his ego, you know? Does he need somebody to, to, to prop him up a little bit? And this is an important question. It's important to, to know this. We don't worship God to boost God's ego or his self-esteem. In fact, I want you to think of it this way. Whenever you see something that you love or you experience something that is really, really makes you happy, something that you really enjoy, isn't it your normal response to want to, like, talk about that or to share that with somebody? Isn't part of the joy of experiencing something that you love, part of the joy is in proclaiming it or sharing it with somebody, isn't it? Like, for example, you're in the car, you're riding down the road, and you hear a song that you just love. What do you do? Turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. You have to hear this part. Listen to this, right? You want to share it with somebody, or if, you, or if you see a, a beautiful sight, like I could be driving down the road with my family sometimes, and I see this amazing sunset off in the distance, and I go, guys, look up. Did you see that? Look how beautiful that is. Because when you see something exciting or astonishing, 
You want to share it with the people around you because part of the joy of experiencing something is sharing it. Think of it this way. Imagine you're sitting in the stands watching a sporting event. It's your favorite team, okay? They're about to clinch the world championship of whatever sport it is, okay? And imagine you're experiencing that, and yet you're forbidden to stand up. You can't cheer. You can't yell. You can't speak. You just have to sit and watch. Well, that's unthinkable. It doesn't even make sense. Why? Because when you see something that's worthy of praising, part of the joy is to be able to praise it, to be able to celebrate it. And that, that joy overflows in you praising out loud and sharing it with other people. See, the point is this. God is the most worthy of our praise. In fact, you and I, we were made to praise him. And we find our most complete joy when we worship and celebrate God. That's why Jesus said to pray, Father, hallowed be your name. He goes on. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me ask you something. Maybe this is just me, but I'm, I got a feeling that, that maybe this is true of you too. So I'll just share what, what goes on inside of me. When I try to pray, I find that my mind wanders. May, again, maybe it's just me, but maybe you had this experience too. In fact, I think this is why prayer has, over the years, become something that was very challenging for me. Um, honestly, I have people who kind of help me stay focused. Uh, uh, one person in particular, a friend of mine, who's really helping me work through some things right now and to kind of become a better guy, like a better Christian, a better husband, a better father. And he and I have both discovered something about me, and it is that, well... I like to think. I, I think all the time. My mind is constantly rolling things around. And it can be a good quality, but it can also be my worst enemy. In fact, I've found that I tend to overthink things sometimes. And what that means is a lot of times my mind is just going and it wanders into different places. But what I've found also is that when my mind wanders, it wanders usually to things that just don't matter, especially when I pray. I can be praying, and, and all of a sudden, I start thinking about other things. I start thinking about, well, what's for dinner tonight? And I start thinking about this conversation that I had yesterday, and how did that go, and what were they thinking? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, what's my kids doing today? And, and are they where they need to be? And what do I need to do with them? And then, oh, look, something just popped up on my phone. And it's just this constant going around and around about things that really don't matter, honestly, in the moment. But when I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, for me, it is a reorienting for me around what ultimately matters. It helps me. It reminds me that I'm not a citizen of my own kingdom. I live in God's kingdom. And that's what matters most, not my agenda, his agenda. And so I want to be part of that. I want to bring God's will and God's ways into this world in big ways, small ways, all kinds of ways. And so I pray, God, let your kingdom come to my country, to my neighborhood, to my social media, to my school, to my workplace, wherever I am. God, I want your kingdom to come there. And then that also leads me to have to pray a prayer of surrender because if that's going to happen, if God's will is going to come and his kingdom is going to come in my world, his kingdom has to come in me first in my mind, in my thoughts, in my body, in my time, in my energy, in my words, my relationships, every part of me. Then Jesus prays another prayer, he, another phrase in this prayer. He says, give us today our daily bread. Now, 
Let's just focus on one word in that phrase for a second, the word daily. Now, what Jesus specifically says in this part of his prayer is, God, give me the food that I need for today. Not tomorrow, not next week, just today. But there's an issue with that, I think, for most of us. And the issue is this. Most of us, that's really not a concern. I mean, even, even in our country, the poorest of the poor, most of the time, they have food for the day. In fact, I would dare to say that everybody listening here today, you've got enough food in your house to get you through the day. Some of you got enough food in your car to get you through the day. So when Jesus prays that prayer, a lot of times we don't connect with it very well. But Jesus isn't just leading us to pray about food. This is deeper than that. Jesus is inviting us into a trust relationship with our Heavenly Father where we learn to depend on Him and rely on Him for everything on a daily basis. I want to give you a, a, a picture to think about. I want you to imagine for a second that uh, you're a parent, and many of us are, and you've got a small child, maybe when your kids were little. Think back to, to when they were little. And I remember when my kids were little, I'd put them at the breakfast table, and, and I'd put in front of them Cheerios. Kids love Cheerios, right? And they just eat those things. They just love the Cheerios. Just imagine for a second your small child is sitting there, and you pour the Cheerios out, and you go to do something else. And as you turn around to see that they're eating their Cheerios, you notice something. They pulled out a plastic bag. Your child has a plastic bag, and he's dumping half of his Cheerios into the plastic bag. And so you ask your child, Honey, why are you putting Cheerios in the plastic bag? And your kid looks right back at you and says, but mom, dad, I just wanted to be sure because I wasn't confident that you were going to feed me tomorrow. So I, I thought maybe you might forget about me or, or maybe there just wouldn't be enough Cheerios tomorrow. So I just, I just needed to make sure. So I'm saving half my Cheerios just in case. Now, what would you say to your child in that situation? <laughs> well, you already know what you'd say. You'd say, honey... You don't need to worry about that because I'm your, I'm your mom. I'm your dad, and, and I'm going to take care of that. I would never forget you. I would never fail to feed you what you needed. I, I, I'm going to take care of that. Besides, you're a kid. You don't need to be thinking about this kind of stuff. You need, to, you need to go out and go to school and get an education. You need to go and play and have fun and meet new people and, and go hang out with your friends. You don't need to... You don't need to worry about this. I've got it. So you just, you just worry about what's in front of you. I'll take care of today. And then tomorrow, guess what? I'll do it all over again. That's what you'd say to your kid, wouldn't it? Well, <laughs> that's the kind of relationship Jesus is inviting you and me into with our Heavenly Father. Give us today our daily bread. Give me exactly what I need to get me through this day. Give me wisdom for today. Give me strength for today. Give me love enough for today. Give me the answers I need for today. Give me the joy that I need for today. Because tomorrow, it'll come tomorrow. But for right now, I trust you, my Heavenly Father, to give me what I need this day. That's what Jesus invites us to pray. And then Jesus says this. He says, forgive us our debts. In other words, Jesus is saying, Hey, we ought to regularly review our sins, and we ought to ask God for his forgiveness. Now, you may be wondering, how often do I need to do that? Well, how often do you sin? <laughs> I mean, 
a Christian author, his name's Neil Plantinga. I love the way he says it. He said, recalling and confessing our sin, it's like taking out the garbage. Once is not enough. And listen, this is not because God is like waiting for you to just leave a sin on your account so he can just get you, you know, and condemn you for whatever it is that you've done. It's not like grace and God's forgiveness are just not readily available all the time. The point is this, we need to confess. I need to confess in order to feel close to God and to stay in his power, his presence, what Jesus called his kingdom. Think about it this way. Have you ever uh, seen a child who knew they were about to do something wrong, something that mom and dad wouldn't approve of, but they're too young to kind of be sneaky about it yet? And have you ever heard a kid or, or seen a kid do this? They'll say, Mom, turn your head. Dad, don't look. And then they go about doing whatever it is they're going to do. I've seen kids do that before because they just, they're not intelligent enough yet to know that, how to be sneaky. So they say, Mom, don't look. Dad, don't look at me. Well, did you know that every time that you and I sin, that's really what we're doing? We have to take God and sort of put him out of our minds. We have to pretend that he's not there. And in, in an essence, what we're saying is, God, don't look at me right now because right now I want to lose my temper. I want to ignore the poor. God, right now, I want to give in to this urge. I, I want to tell this lie. I want to be selfish. I want to vent on this email right now, God. So just don't look at me, God. Don't look. And then we live life that way for a while, pretending as if God's not watching. And many of us wind up in a situation where we think, I wonder why God feels so far away. Well, I know why. But see, when we confess our sins, when we practice this regularly like Jesus invites us to, we're inviting God's gaze back into our lives. God, see me. God, know me. God, show me where it is that I was hateful today or dishonest today or I was unkind or I was selfish today. God, is there anything that I did today that I need to clean up or I need to make right? Is there a person, God, that I need to make amends to? God, look at me See where I'm wrong and help me. Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that phrase because, sneak peek, next week we're going to talk about this one phrase pretty much for the whole time that we're together. So I'll just say for right now, receiving and offering forgiveness are tied together. You can't have one without the other. In other words, I cannot embrace God's forgiveness without and, and still at the same time hold unforgiveness toward another person. It's just not how it works. But again, we're going to deal with that next week, so make sure you're here when we talk about that. Let's move on to the next phrase in the, uh, in the Lord's Prayer. He says this. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now this, it's a prayer for guidance. That's what it is. It's saying God... I need you to lead me away from my worst instincts, away from my destructive habits, my patterns, my sins, the things that I tend to go toward when I'm just on my own. And God, I need you, I need you to lead me somewhere else. I, I just read a prayer that I think really illustrates this well. Let me read it to you. It goes like this. Dear God, so far, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. <laughs> and from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. Thank you. Amen. 
don't know about you, but I could pray that prayer like every single day, right? (laughs) But here's the point. Somebody is ultimately going to lead your life. Every single day, every time you roll out of bed, every time I get up, somebody's going to lead my life. Somebody's going to get the say in what I do today. The question is, if it's not God, who's it going to be? I mean, I just think sometimes about how many times I'm going throughout my day, and I don't pray that prayer to God. I don't pray, God, deliver me from this temptation not to trust you. God, will you deliver me right now from this anger that I'm feeling? God, deliver me from this spirit of cynicism and and hopelessness that I feel. God, lead me right now. Show me what to do. Show me where to go. But Jesus here reminds us that we have a Father in heaven who wants to be invited into our lives to lead us, to guide us away from the temptation and the evil that we go towards into this better life that he offers us. Now, if you're following along in the scriptures, in your Bible, you may notice that Jesus ends the prayer here. But over the years, in fact, very early on in in the history of the church, followers of Jesus added something to the closing of this prayer. They sort of added a, a closing to the prayer. And it wasn't because it needed to be improved. I mean, that's not the reason. It's just that we humans, a lot of times, we need something kind of wrapped up in a bow, nice and tidy. And so over the centuries, Christians have always ended traditionally the Lord's Prayer with this phrase. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, what does that mean? Well, it just simply means, God, you're large and in charge. God, it's all about you. You own it all. It's just this final word of who God is. And then there's that closing, amen. Now, a lot of people say amen after their prayers, and maybe they don't even know what it means. It's just what you say at the end of a prayer, right? But the word amen is, is, is a powerful word. It means literally, so be it. It's kind of like putting an emphatic yes at the end of your prayer. It's like saying, this is the way I want it to be, God. God, make it so. Everything that I've just prayed, make it so. Yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory. That's reality, God. That's how it is, and that's the way I want it. Yes, make it happen. That's what that means. So if you've ever in any part of your life recited the Lord's Prayer and you just had really no idea what you were saying or you really didn't think about the words, now you know. And so I'll repeat that challenge that I gave to you earlier. I want to challenge you to pray the Lord's Prayer every day this week. And don't rush through it. Don't recite it. Don't just say the words. Because remember, Jesus wasn't giving us a prayer to recite. He was, giving, he was teaching us something about God. He was teaching us how to communicate and what, what those words really mean. But spend time each day. Spend time with each phrase. Fill it with your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own words. If you're like me and you really struggle to just pray every day, this is a great place to start. It's a great model that you can use to guide you through that because your father wants to hear from you, and he's invited you to talk to him. So I want to help us get started on this, and I want to give you an experience because we normally don't take time in our service to give you time to pray, to spend time praying to God. Today we're going to do that, and we're going to open up some quiet, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give you the time to pray the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to use it as our guide. We're going to use everything that we just learned to walk us through this. So 
if you're thinking about taking the challenge and praying the prayer every day this week, the good news is you only got six more to go because you're going to knock day one out right here, right now. How cool is that, right? So here's how we're going to do this. And, and let me say before we get into it that I get that maybe not everybody here uh, is really into participating in this because maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm not even a praying person. I'm not even sure I believe in the God that you're talking about. And we just want you to know that's okay. You don't have to participate or feel obligated to do this at all. You can take a pass on this if you want to and just listen. But here's how I want to do this. I'm going to, each as we go along with this, I'm going to put each phrase that we learned from the Lord's Prayer up on the screen, okay? And then when you see that phrase on the screen, I'm going to word my own prayer. And you can just listen. I'm going to use my own words, my own phrases to just express that thought to God. Once I'm done with that phrase, then I'm going to pause. And I'm going to give you about 20 seconds or so. And right where you are, you can just silently pray your own prayer to God. Use your own words to express that part of the Lord's Prayer. And then I'll go on to the next phrase. And then I'll pray that for a minute. And then I'll give you the seconds to pray. And then at the end, we're going to do something that I can't remember us ever doing around here at CCC. We're going to recite the Lord's Prayer like Christians have been doing for almost 2,000 years now. And we're going to join with millions of believers around the globe, and we're going to recite the words out loud together. So uh, I'll lead you in doing that when we get to the end. So uh, each phrase will come up on the screen. I'll say my words or my phrases, and then you can use the quiet to pray in your own words silently where you are. Ready? Here we go. Our Father, who's in the heavens, not far off and unreachable, but right here in our midst. You're closer than the air we breathe, God, and you've invited us to call you Dad. <laughs> what a privilege that is. May your fame and your power and your greatness be made evident in this world. God, I praise you for who you are and for all that you've done. Father, I want what you want. I want things to be done in my world the way they are done in heaven. Let your kingdom, your will, your presence come in my mind, my body, my words, my relationships. God, start with me. Make my world look more like the way you want it to. Father, give me the strength, the joy, the wisdom, and the love that I need for today. I know you love me, and I trust you to provide for me. Help me not to reach into tomorrow with worry and anxiety, because tomorrow will come tomorrow. Just give me what I need today. And Father, for in these past 24 hours, I, I know I have thought and I have said and I have done some things 
that I really just wanted you to turn away from and not see. Forgive me. Show me, look at me, Father, and see if there is anything I need to, to make right again. Is there another person that I need to apologize to to make things right with? God, show me. Lord, I invite you to lead my life today. Whenever I lead my life, I just run to temptation and destruction. So I give you the driver's seat in my life. And I know you're going to lead me away from all those things. And you'll lead me toward love and toward life. God, you own it all. You know it all. God, you, you deserve it all. It's all about you. It's not about me. This is reality. And it's the way that I want it to be. So God, make it so. And now would you guys just all join me and let's all do this in full voice as a congregation. Let's recite the Lord's Prayer together. It's on your screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, right now, uh, our worship leaders are going to come and they're going to lead us in singing a song together. And then after that, we're going to receive communion. And if you're new to church and uh, everything I just said sounded like weird to you or you don't even know what I'm talking about, I want to explain this to you. See, like the Lord's Prayer, communion is something that followers of Jesus have been practicing together for generations now. Jesus left us with this meal, uh, ceremony, a sacred kind of time that really just helps us stay connected to the event in history that is, well, really the, the centerpiece of our relationship with God, the death of Jesus on the cross for our sins and the resurrection of Jesus that secured for us eternal life. So in a few moments, uh, there are going to be some trays coming down your road. One tray is going to have some bread in it, and we're inviting you to take a piece of bread and eat it. And as you do, remember the body of Jesus that hung on the cross for you. And then another tray will come with cups of juice. Take one, drink it. And put it back. And as you do, remember that the blood of Jesus was shed to forgive your sins. That the God of the universe saw fit to give his son. He loved you enough to give his son and his life for you. And remember the love that he showed to you. Now, again, 
for some of you, that sounds very mystical and, and, and weird and strange, and, I, and we get that. We know there's a lot of mystery surrounding uh, following Jesus, and if, again, if you want to take a pass on this today, that is perfectly okay. You can let the trays go by. Spend this quiet time meditating or praying or, or just taking it all in. That's perfectly fine with us. After we're done with communion today, we're going to sing another song that is really a, a prayer. It's going to seal this whole moment. It, it sort of wraps up everything that we've learned and experienced so far. It's the song about our Father who is in the heavens, who's with us, who surrounds us, and is always near us. So right now, you just remain seated right where you are, and just join us as we sing this song as we prepare to remember Jesus.